we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. How's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez, and I'm here with Albert Morales, and we are the House of Indie. And today we are recording here in Monster Comics with bombastic Brian Augustine. Make sure it is Augustine, not Augustine. <laughs> Augustine, sir. How are we doing, sir? Welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for reiterating the pronunciation of my name. <laughs> we don't want anybody getting, you know. Hurt it's, biblically. It's the one I. It's your the name. name I got from my dad, so that's there the way I go. pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so listen, we're we're happy to have you on the show, and a lot of people know you from obviously being uh, a big DC guy, as far as uh, being related to or in relation with the Flash and uh, you know the Batman uh, books. Um, what do you think your 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 best project that you did at DC was like? The, your not not on a fan level, but on a personal level. What do you think your best one uh, story or storyline or, or character that you worked on was? Well, um, yeah, I'm tempted to say Gotham by Gaslight because that's yeah, like the only thing a lot of people know me for, and that's <laughs> fine. I'm certainly proud of that. I'm I'm glad for it, as well as uh, editing Flash as well for that time. Right, I did, and then I wrote it for yeah. almost as long. Yeah, um, originally with Wade, uh, Mark Wade. Yeah. Who some people may have heard of. Yeah, you know, uh, he's, he's a relatively known Relative, guy, you know, kinda, back to your know. word, relatively yeah, yeah. well-known. Yeah. <laughs> he's no Alex Ross, but he's well-known. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd hired him about, uh, I don't know, but I had, a, I had hired a writer, Bill Lobes, who did a great job on Flash for a while. Right, yeah. Then he was moving on, so Mark Waite had been a... a another editor while I was an editor. Right, yeah. And when he left, I offered him the job because I knew that between the two of us, we were hideous fanboys. <laughs> and I say were as if it's in the past. It's right. not. Yeah. Um, and our sort of our compact between us was we will do this and we will resist every fanboy impulse. Yeah, yeah did that actually work out? That's <laughs> yeah, no, we did. We did. Um, the first thing... Our instinct was, because we inherited Wally West as Flash, uh-huh. might have been something like, let's bring Barry back. Okay. And then we decided, no, that's sort of what would be expected. You know, we sort of reached this, what we co- were calling the George Costanza moment. Okay. The guy from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who spent a brief amount of time thinking, whatever it is I want to do. <laughs> yeah. The opposite must be right. I have to do the opposite <laughs> yeah. because everything I want to do goes wrong. Yeah. We stuck with it. Uh, we wanted to, he, you know, Mark said, I wish there was some way we could adhere to our code and still have Kid Flash. Well, we simply recreated it in a whole different way. And with impulse, right? With impulse. Yeah, okay. yeah. Of course, the minute we were gone, <laughs> impulse got renamed Kid Flash. Wow. And yeah. Barry Allen came back to life. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this Jeff Johns guy, he was a more hideous fanboy than we are. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Impulse really quick, uh, you actually got to work with a couple of different artists on on Impulse, uh, one of them being uh, Umberto Ramos. He was the original artist. The original I mean, artist, yeah. I mean, yeah. he didn't create visually create the character. Right, right. But, but I, was, I think he made the, the, he did the biggest the stamp from, on the on the, Yes, on the he book. certainly yeah, did. Yeah. yeah, what was it like working with him at an early stage? Because he used to be with Milestone right before that. He did a couple of issues of Milestone. Yeah, yeah, it was static. A, uh, as a... 
Did he do Static? Yeah, he, he also did, did yeah. Um, Icon. Yeah, yeah, Icon. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one issue, two <laughs> issues. He was a somebody. We had. We used to have a guy at DC whose job was simply, you know, review the uh, over the transom uh, submissions and, you know, to look at places where artists could be. You know, newcomers could be uh, being showcased. In fact, we we brought showcase back as a new talent showcase. Right. And that was uh, Neil's job, Neil Posner, the late um, lamented. Um, anyway, he walked <laughs> up to me with, I think he had done like a steel, I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, the Superman. Yeah. Steel uh, annual yeah, yeah. That, that Umberto had done. Right. And I was looking at it and I said, you know, this this guy is like completely wrong. For steel, uh-huh. but he's the guy we need for impulse. Right. Um, yeah. Again, late and lamented. Uh, doggone it! I wish I could think of his name, Mike <laughs> Waringo. Mike Waringo. Mike Waringo. Yeah, God rest his soul. Had actually yeah. designed the character of Impulse. Yeah. And he was first drawn like an issue or two after that. By first published appearance was drawn by uh, Carlos Pacheco. You can do worse. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. No joke. Right. And literally, and it and it's, it was one of these rarely done things. They said to me, "The character has already had, you know, impulse as a character from the two appearances in Flash. Right, is already huge." And we had ta- publishers and and uh, editors in chief, and I had been talking about a way to spin off Flash. Okay. Because okay. their impulse is it's selling impulse sure. again. The, it's selling well. Let's milk the hell out let's of it. <laughs> let's find some dollars. Yeah. And I had resisted that a little bit without ever saying to them, I'm resisting that. Right, right. Um, and let it steep, I guess. And the minute they saw impulse, they said, here's your chance to expand the brand. Mm-hmm. And then I had um, about a third of what you would normally have to create a number one. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, you, you get these opportunities and you got to make the rest of them. I mean, well, right. No, and we did. And, you know, I'm I'm proud to say that in the 10 years I was there doing working as an editor, I never shipped anything late. I was never even warm. Right. Right. So I could I certainly got it done. And Umberto was a big part of how it got done because he is so reliable. Right. Right. So. um, So that wasn't your only experience with working on Umberto and, and really. We're obviously called the House of Indian. Just so you guys know, we are taping live right now, and well, relatively live, in uh, in Monster Comics. So you might hear some some people in the background, which is great. You know that means people are shopping, people are picking up books, yeah. and that's always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, they're reading. You Give know. us an air of authenticity. There you go. Yeah. See yeah. exactly. There's exactly. even a pooch here. See, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dogs got to read, man. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, so uh, going back and in relation to the House of Indy as, as an editor. Mm-hmm. You've worked on some independent books. So with Umberto Ramos, that wasn't your last foray with him. You actually got to play with him on another project. Can you tell uh, us a little bit about two, that? Another two, sure. Um, we're talking about uh, first about uh, Crimson. Crimson, right, yeah. right. Crimson and that, be the first that whole deal started before DC had... Had the cliffhanger in Wildstorm, had, yeah. Had picked up Wildstorm. Um, so it was independent at that point. Right, yeah. About three yeah. or four issues in, it, the, the sale had gone through. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Umberto had, uh, I had just stepped down. Right. As uh, editor, right? To, to work, I, yeah, I left DC. I went to work freelance at home. Right. I had little baby girls who are now fully adult. There you go. That's right. how long ago it was. <laughs> um, 
and I wanted to be around. Yeah. So that experience of experience of uh, being a freelancer was a brand new thing, and wow, I thought you know I had we had flash as a you know like a year's worth of guarantee right, right. at a contract, and Umberto called me out of the blue and said, "We need a scripter." I mean, I consulted on the storylines, but he and his uh, the two other guys that were the, on the two book. other yeah, guys because yeah. that, that's that was an interesting thing. You saw two other guys on the title, and then you saw Augustine, and I was like. They've got three writers? How's that, how's that working? What, what's going on here? They were plotting with Umberto. There you go. So and yeah. I'd be handed a page of plot right, right. and turned it into a full script. Gotcha. Okay. So that but makes he, a lot of interesting. Yeah. He yeah. felt he owed me any credibility that he had. Um, I mean, to this day, he will say. Rumble's, if, there, if yeah. there's a, He's a classy guy. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And, a, and a lovely, lovely guy. Yeah. One of my children. And he's taking <laughs> care of me uh, more than once. And at the end of Crimson, right. um, the editors at Wildstorm said, what else have you got? Oh, well, there you so go. So we pitched out there. Yeah. And okay. we ran we yeah. ran that for, I think, a year and a half, two years. 18 issues, I think we did. Yeah. Wow. Crimson yeah. Maybe, may have gone to 24. Yeah. Crimson Crimson was the only series out of the whole cliffhanger or, that I can remember out of the big, out of the, oh, I say big three relatively because it started off with Joe Mad. It started off with J. Scott Campbell and Alberto Ramos. Those were the uh, those were the three guys that started the cliffhanger. We're overlooking imprint. somebody famous, and I'm blanking on who. Well, Chris Machado didn't come till afterwards. Right? No, I know. Um, we, we were also for the two two and a half years we did Crimson. We were the only book that shipped monthly. Right. You were the only because he was a workhorse. I, I gotta say, man. Wow. I mean, I've we were, seen the, I seen all you guys were just like really pumping it out. We got um, to issue twelve. Right. Battle Chasers. Battle Chasers finished at nine. Right, but when yeah, we yeah. hit twelve, we all started at the same time. Right, right. When yeah. we hit twelve, they were at three. Yeah. Um Danger Girl, is that the Yeah, Danger uh, Girl had just uh another three maybe three or four. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I want to remember a third title, but I could be wrong. I thought no, there I, were four. No, there was three. There was three. Okay. Yeah. We I, shipped I, we shipped monthly on time because yeah. I, Alberto I th- and I were timely. <laughs> 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 I think uh, um Crimson was the only book to actually, and a lot of people give um, Joe Mad, J. Scott Campbell, and maybe not so much Ramos, but they give him a lot of flack as far as being, oh, well, you guys never finished the books. We finished our book. Crimson finished their title. Um, In a hurry. Yeah. yeah. Had to say, because we thought we were going another year. No, not even that. I I think we had talked about signing through issue 30 to, to close. We right. wanted a neat ending. But then issues, personal issues that I don't know anything about, right. caused Umberto to say, I think I want to shut it down. So if you look at our last issue, and it may have been... Like 25, I think it was. 24, 25. Yeah, yeah, 24, 25. The, yeah. Uh, the issue might be upsized. I don't remember that. But it we wrapped everything up in four pages. Right. And we just did it as a, here's... So here's what what uh, <laughs> here's we're not going to show you. We're yeah. just going to tell you. And I think we had um, Joe, the uh, the vampire character. Yeah. Uh, the goofy yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, the Indian Joe, yeah. Indian Joe, which I realize now is a horrible cultural. <laughs> but I didn't name the character. Um, <laughs> we had him simply say, so that's where... He was the comedy relief of the book. Right, and so he became yeah. a sort of humorous... You know, narrator pointing to the stuff that, yeah, that breaking the breaking the fourth wall kind of thing. Breaking the fourth wall, <laughs> we shattered the wall, we yeah. crumbled it to dust, and uh, and wrapped it up. 
Well, to, to Cliffhanger's uh, um, defense and, and is re- in regards to Joe Madden, J. Scott Campbell, and and le- which will later be out there as well. Um, the title of the of the imprint is called Cliffhanger. <laughs> They're supposed to leave you wanting more. Well, I think I hope that it wasn't left. intentional, but it's what happened. I, it's also too considering the time, right? Late nineties, I guess. Yeah, probably. yeah, late nineties. Yeah, nobody was um, finishing their books. Well. <laughs> And they were being loosely. They only went to names that that had real cred, right? So I hope that they were gambling that no matter how many times Joe Mad doesn't show up or Campbell doesn't finish the book or whatever, right, right, right. Um, but they knew that that's how their deal was, and I think readers quickly picked up on the idea that. This will come out when it's ready, and that's a different paradigm. It is, it's but so, it's, creatively, yeah. it's it's a real chance given to the creators, right? Eventually, Danger Girl did finish. Uh, Joe Mad did live his on a cliffhanger um, to go on to go do video games. But you guys got the set—I don't want to say second chance. You guys had the second opportunity to continue on and go on to do out there. Although and, out there was, I don't remember that was not a uh, cliffhanger. That was just a Wildstorm book. Okay. So going back really quick, was during Crimson, was there any um, difficulties or any changes that needed to be made between the three guys plotting and then you laying out the script? Or was there any challenges in there that you can think of or no? No, Umberto was 110% on my side. Right, right. (laughs) And I I never heard specifics, but I, I think I got the impression a few times from things he said that I had made choices. Right. Not that they were discouraging my making choices, right? But that I had connected details that they had given me in ways that maybe weren't exactly as they envisioned it. I mm. wouldn't have known that. Right. I wasn't purposely. I knew I was the scripter, right? Right. Not the not the writer. Well, that sounds weird, but you understand what I'm saying, <laughs> right? Anyway, the uh, the deal was that I could do no wrong. God bless Umberto. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I had, I wound up having to write one of the issues from scratch without any help. I, so issue seven, the Christmas issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where all the angels yeah. are meeting in the diner. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I that was all Umberto yeah. and I. Oh, okay. Cool. And mostly me. I said, what do you think about this? And uh, and that went very well, and they kind of stopped worrying. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I always, when we have creators that we speak to, I always have to ask this one question because I I, I am a big uh, kind of I, I'm super interested in uh, in humble beginnings and how you got into doing this. You've been doing this for how long now? Thirty five years. Thirty five years. That's that's pretty pretty long. But I want to know how you got into uh, into the comic book world. How you your 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 humble beginnings? My humble beginnings. <laughs> um, I think that my humble beginnings started the the day that the seven-year-old me walked into Vic's drugstore in Chicago and uh, found a spinner rack okay, and spun it until the squeaking was about to drive Vic <laughs> insane. Um, and that would be about 60, 62, 63, 1962. Wow. Wow. That's a long time wow. ago. Yeah. <laughs> and very quickly, I mean, I was the kid with all the comics when I was in school. Um I did fanzine work in, in my teens and oh, cool. uh, high school and, you know, just after. Went to art school because I wanted to be an artist. 
and to this day I can doodle. Uh, <laughs> but there were things I just wasn't getting, you know, like perspective, things that might actually come into play. You know, I thought I just wanted to draw. No one told me there would be math. There you go. <laughs> but um, we did a couple of things. I want to say that the main reason that I even went that far was, I think, early 20s. I No, probably 25, 26. We had a comic book company, a, a fairly big deal, open up in Chicago, okay. First First Comics. Okay. Which launched with a lot of, you know, well-known creators and, and they were local. And I happened to know Mike Gold, who was the editor in chief and one of the founders through the, uh, Chicago Comic Con scene. Nice. So I started pitching to him and ne- nothing I pitched went anywhere. <laughs> what kind okay. of stories did you, were you, what kind of, do you remember what kind of stories you were pitching at the time? I was pitching, you know, car- series Capes characters and, uh, yeah. or, or miniseries or mostly. No, uh, superhero stuff. Superhero? Okay. Okay. The only one I really remember pitching was this sort of industrial satire about a company that's polluting the heck out of the planet, <laughs> hiring a superhero to make them look good. Oh, oh. and the superhero wow. was not real; he was given a lot of gimmicks. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you know, that's where my head was at in 1983 <laughs> or four was the evil corporations, and we know they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> only tested 1984, out. 1984. That was the Captain Planet era. Yeah. You know, with the yeah. pollution and the right. You know, the world right. and corporations. But yeah. And as you for- mentioned it, I'm, I'm thinking of the the main hero of our book was a guy named Captain Jupiter. Captain Jupiter, and I don't oh, know yeah. why. We just <laughs> like the sound of it. I wonder if we were unconsciously yeah. channeling Captain Planet. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, it was very, it was as most people in their late 20s. Yeah. We saw ourselves the artist. I actually had an artist in place and. Saw ourselves as cynical and, you know, rebels. Yeah, you know, we were Robert Kennedy Jr. and <laughs> <laughs> and crew and that you know you know what I mean. It's just activists. Yeah, yeah. But okay. we wanted to active activate through comics. Awesome. So awesome. that was the beginning of it. Mike then had me do some pro bono. Uh, gave me a big stack of proposals and said, uh-huh. "Give me your opinion on each of these and." Whatever you say is what we will do with, and uh, I think I approved one maybe, and I don't remember that. But mostly, I learned what the what the editing was all about mm-hmm. by going, you know, realizing at first this doesn't scan or this this bit, this relationship seems mm-hmm. fake, you know, things like that. Okay. And then Mike uh, Michael moved to DC, and this would be eighty six, I think. And uh, he got a chance to hire another editor mm-hmm. and uh, brought me in to interview. Okay. Actually, no, I take that back. Mike Mike suggested me first to edit what became, at later, became Piranha Press. Oh, okay. Sort of, they, they decided they wanted to be in, to have an indie wing. Oh, okay. Oh. There you go. And the stuff, they gave us the, uh, you know, notes ahead, what we'll be looking for. So I brought in. You know, just suggestions of the kind of material. Right. And I had a very commercial thing in mind, but yeah, sort you, of non-comics. You did uh, advertising and marketing before, I too, did work well. in advertising. While I was not working in comics, right, right. I worked in uh, uh, advertising and, uh, what do you you know, uh, publishing from or designing and things like that sure. for, okay. like, local yeah. things, like a union may want a newspaper or a magazine, oh, yeah, things yeah. like that, yeah. brochures. I worked for an outfit that did all of that. Anyway, yes. But also, I was a fan, and I thought, mm-hmm. here'd be a way to do 
things that comics no longer do. Right. Like edgy westerns, but a western. Um, maybe okay. a detective book. Maybe um, something more straightforward science fiction. Maybe adaptations. I mean, things that actually wound up getting done. Right. Um, but the guy who developed Piranha for them had come in with completely off the wall and that was determined to be... Was that the nail in the coffin for that for Piranha Press? Uh, I don't know. I mean, no? they lasted for a couple of years. Did they? Okay. And they did some interesting stuff and they introduced the, you know, creators who have gone on to quite a bit of acclaim. Okay. I you should sh- also mention, because I mentioned Alex Ross a while ago, it's just <laughs> all this stuff is coming back to me. I freelance edited after the uh, first comics um, education with Mike. Um, there was an outfit called Now Comics, also out of Chicago. And we met at a con at one of the Chicago cons. Mm-hmm. And I wound up freelance editing. And somehow, because I think no one else wanted it, and it was a couple of years past, they got the license to do um, Predator. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. After yeah. the initial movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was Predator. Anyway, the... The publisher had hired this kid who was still in art school to do the art, and it was Alex Ross. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So I, <laughs> I, I never claimed, uh, except when I got him to pay for a meal, uh, <laughs> I, I never claimed to be the man who discovered him. <laughs> no, but, but we you crossed are, paths. There you go. <laughs> you said you worked on some scenes uh, before, prior, when you were younger. What kind of, what kind of material were you putting together? I did, uh, well, I did articles. Okay. Uh, I still wanted to be an artist, so I did. Uh, I settled in doing some parody stuff. Okay. Um, one of my friends still credits me with this one, as if I'd never did anything else. Um, <laughs> it was a Batman parody called Aardvark Man. Okay. <laughs> and it was silly, and it was drawn in a well high cartoon yeah, style. Okay. Yeah. Bigfoot. Um, and I illustrated in that same style. I illustrated articles. Okay. Um, mostly Chicago fandom. Right, right, right. Cool. Couple, about awesome. three or four different publishers. Huh? And mind you, at that point, I didn't know I was going to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Right. I really had my eggs in the art basket, and I only started writing when I would write comics for me to draw. Right. Okay. Like, you know, some of the stuff that came before all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did a Chicago Con comic with a, a friend who uh, co-wrote and and uh, lettered called Captain Clout in Chicago. Clout <laughs> is political power. Oh, wow. <laughs> where a guy is given superpowers by the ghost of the late Mayor Daly. And, uh, okay. you know, so, I mean, I, I learned how to write by writing for myself. Right. Okay. I mean, I had taken, mm-hmm. I had taken courses in creative writing and stuff like that in mm-hmm. school. But, uh, in fact, you know, the English degree says I was paying more attention than I realized. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's, I, I had started out one. I think this is true of so many people mm-hmm. right. in the business, a lot of writers who thought they were going one direction and wound up. Wound up going to right. a completely different one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Frank Miller tells a story of he learned to draw just enough <laughs> just in enough. his own words <laughs> to draw, to tell stories he wanted to, to write. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had his eye, uh, you know, Rightfully in on, on writing, right, and then he learned just enough to set the entire <laughs> art world on its on its ass. Yeah. Uh, he's one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And you consider that uh, you know, Dark Knight, the original uh, Watchmen, yeah. all of those things happened just as I was getting in. 
Okay. And that was also the next level of education. Right. Making yeah. that uh, making that transition. You know, realizing that comics were taking another evolutionary and a big evolutionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Between Moore and yeah. Miller and a couple of others who were really yeah. setting fire to the world. Nice. So flash forward to uh, Out There. Let's talk yeah. about that for a little bit. So with Out There, um, what was your approach when you, when you guys were coming up with something new for uh, for Wildstorm at the time? Umberto had wanted to, and he eventually got around to doing a book about, I think it was Revelation, I think is what he called it. Oh, yeah, 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 the uh, religious book, yeah. And I was uh, tied up. Uh, so Paul Jenkins, mm-hmm. a truly great writer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, worked with him on that. So when we were fishing around for something to do, um, and out there was a little tiny bit religious, but not right, yeah. not broadly. Um, he said, I want to do something with demons uh, infiltrating the world. And again, a, a lot of what would then become Revelation. Right. Um, so that's what I came back and I pitched it to him. I, and it was based partly in, in an idea I had for something. I like that series. It was one of my one of my favorite series. I actually owned uh, one of the original pages at one time, um, but they had uh, they had some. There there was one particular scene where they met the cartoonist at the bar. Yeah, and that was one of my favorite issues of that book. And I was just like, "Thank you." I, I was just like, oh, "God bless you." <laughs> <laughs> so I think we even met up one time, and I showed you a deck of like uh, four cards that came out as a promo piece for out there, and you you didn't even know they were around. I, I didn't know like, they yeah. certainly they wouldn't share it with the creator. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> but uh, but those have actually been reproduced and put out uh, in graphic novel form um, through uh, I believe through Boom, was it not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with after, a little bit, after five years, yeah, or thereabouts, when something's out of published, out of uh, current publishing mm-hmm. for five years, the rights by contract reverted. So Umberto and I, he wound up owning Crimson, and he and I wound up owning out there, yeah. out there. And I think it's because Ross Ritchie at Boom and I have been friends mm-hmm. that I put it in front of him, and we and okay. we ran. Because there's a little bit extra in that graphic novel, is there not? For uh, out there, we we in wrote the second a, book. Or? We wrote a new four pages, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, because we had ended it on a, on a uh, we learned that 18 was it. Right. We had planned another story. Um, and then, so we ended it with this alien thing that had nothing to do with the plan we had. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted, knowing that it was not going to go further, right, we ended yeah. it. Umberto and I both hated it when it was in print. It's just like, oh, we should have tried a little harder. Uh. <laughs> So we said to, uh, well, the film was originally created for uh, a French publisher. Oh, um, wow. So it did make it to film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, all Boom did was, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. They got okay, the yeah. film from yeah. blank and big publisher. Right, right, um, right. So they got all the color art, all the rescanned art. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I don't think anything was much remastered from the original, but they, they cleaned it up, let's yeah. just say. And... Umberto said, and I backed him. I said, he said, I'd let's lose that one page and we'll do, I think it's five pages right. extra. So when it came out, the page was still there <laughs> <laughs> and our five pages. Oh, no. Wow. And as good as, as, as Umberto had been during the original run, which is the early part of the 2000s, 
uh, as good as he'd been, he'd only gotten better by the time uh, two years yeah. ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then Boom was uh, was especially interested because they could get all that film. Oh sure, yeah, most definitely. And uh, or digital yeah. files. We don't do film anymore. <laughs> I don't even think anyone knows uh, cameras or you know, how to how to use cameras in connection with publishing or printing. Anyway, no, that's, it's just that's, a non-issue now. Yeah, yeah, no, we got it. Sometimes we'll have some some guys on the show, some artists that are on the show that do a lot more digital art than they do the more traditional art. Sure, so, no, no, that's yeah. great. I tend to call them digital cowboys. It's just a digital cowboys. Yeah, that's, it's just, that's, that's, uh, that's, but, uh, that's weird. Yeah, well, but, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, he I, called us cowboys again, for yeah, God's sake. Sorry, man. I, I saw it's an experimental world. So yeah. I know you're doing a couple things right now. Uh, I, I saw that they just I, – I, was it just this Wednesday that you had a book released – uh, Archie 55, I believe, right? Archie 1955, the last yeah. issue came out. There yeah. you go. Huh? Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, about your work on that book? Sure. Um, now we go back to my, to, you know, my, my other child, Mark <laughs> Wade. Um, and I don't mean this to diminish them. I mean, that's how yeah, I yeah. think of these guys. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Family. Yeah. Um, they were after Mark to do, Archie was, a, it, as a character, was introduced by MLJ the company that would come to be uh, Archie Comics, was issued in uh, December of 1941. Wow. And somebody at the office suddenly realized, well, that'd be interesting to commemorate because they'd been, yeah. as you look at the Archie output, they've been moving more towards realism, mm-hmm. you know, marriage, and then Wade recreated the yeah. the humorous Archie title, but with uh, Fiona... Fiona Apple. Apple. Or, yeah, yeah. They had redesigned it to be very apples, yeah, yeah. hip, you know, because yeah. there's nobody hipper than 58-year-old Mark Wade. I'm sorry. I said Fiona Apples. Isn't she like a music person? Maybe Fiona, Fiona, Fiona Staples. Uh, Staples. Like, that's Staples. it. They end in P-L-E-S both. Um, <laughs> I would have made that mistake if I hadn't had you, if you hadn't done it. So <laughs> that's why I was pausing. There I want to make go. sure I was sorting the right. Anyway, <laughs> so they said, what if, and it was this literally was the company's idea, what if we tell a realistic story set in 1941 and, you know, f- from there, because we took it to 45. Right. Um, by sort of hopping through historical points where the characters and the town were affected by World War II. And yeah. so we had done it. It got more attention than a lot of stuff that they had done. Got us great reviews. In fact, I treasure, especially this week, I treasure the one review that we got from Victor... Vicarellic, who had been the editor in chief at Archie 58 until he passed away just the other day. Wow. Um, he had, uh, he had let us know. I think he told us flat out it was the book he was proudest of being part of. Oh man. Wow. All the stuff they did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tried to talk him off that ledge, but he's, no, no, no. (laughs) That was a man who was born in himself in 1941. He was issued. The yeah. same time that Archie was issued. Right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and he was, you know, the editor in chief. He was part of the planning. Yeah. It may even have been him who came up with the original idea. That I don't know. But they had been chasing Mark to do it. And Wade has been, because he's reliable. Right. And fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, they'd been chasing him to do this 1941 book. And then he realized, you know, there, there were, Obviously, we're friends, and we collaborate, and we've mm-hmm. done it many times. Right. Yeah. But on top of that, he also knew that I'm, you know, kind of a history buff, and that I love to do research, which Mark rec- recognized <laughs> yeah. he wouldn't have time to do. So, yeah. 
we we collaborated around my as he said do you know doing the initial typing you know after handwritten notes and back and forth conversations uh-huh. so that was it and it did so well that i said to mark can we pitch rock and roll can we pitch 1955 and they bought it uh, immediately nice wow and that was uh more fun because yeah. we played very much for drama or melodrama anyway uh-huh. for 41 um with this we we tried for plenty of drama and romance but you know using the life of elvis and mm-hmm. buddy holly <laughs> and all the stuff yeah. we know yeah. from movies and and just knowing that stuff mm-hmm. uh, and wade's a huge elvis fan and uh you know i i'm i'm more fond of I'm, you know i'm curious what was it like uh, uh approaching archie I mean, that's like a that's a that's an iconic character. It's a character yeah. that's been around for a long time. Uh, most audiences, most young audiences, I mean, would kindly only know Archie from the WB, but you know, or CW, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. CW. I, I think everyone uh, wants yeah. to call it CW. Yeah, CW. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> whatever. I mean, some people watch it, some people don't. My daughter, my daughter likes the uh, what's the bikers' names? Uh, uh, they're on that oh, show. I don't even know. Something with snakes. Something, something. With snakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I bought her a vest from Hot Topic. Anyways, uh, <laughs> listen. Uh, <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> Archie's like this uh, uh, iconic character. So, what was it like approaching that character and really and looking forward to working on it? Were you, you know, looking I, forward to working on it? You know, I've written any Superman and Batman and yeah. Flash. Yeah, which, from my perspective, Flash, my favorite book when I was growing up, was Flash. Was Flash? Oh wow! Wow. Okay. Just happened to find it the most That's cool compelling cover on the newsstand. Um, so I was very very early a fan. Yeah. Um, also, therefore, a fan of Julie Schwartz, the Julius mm-hmm. Schwartz, the editor okay. of so much, you know, Flash, Green Lantern, Justice League, right? Yeah. Who had started with them in the '40s and just said, you know, we're on a we're on a wave here. After they did Flash and realized we can recast and yeah. the characters they and use them new. Them out again, yeah. yeah. So you know, Julie is, I think, almost as high on the list of influencers to use that word. <laughs> there you go. As Stan Lee is. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, he was, he didn't have as much autonomy as Lee did at Marvel because Marvel was a smaller outfit, but he impacts many, many aspects. He wound up editing everything, Wonder Woman, Superman, and so. Yeah. This is actually the first time I've actually heard somebody mention somebody other than Stan Lee as being such a, a huge influence in, in comics and pop culture uh, on the DC end. Uh, there's not a lot of people that give the uh, DC a lot of credit like that. Well, uh, back in, you know, back in that sense, they were the ones who revived superheroes yeah. after having gone dead and yeah if legend is true and this i don't know <laughs> the uh fantastic four exist right right uh, it was off of uh, because the publishers <laughs> played golf and right you know we're having a lot of um, good sales with this team book <laughs> yeah justice league and so goodman apparently martin goodman the publisher at the time came back to the office and said to stan give me a team book give me a team book yeah oh okay Give me something to compete with the other guys. You know, yeah, no, definitely. I, I, if you look back at FF and Justice League, you realize he wasn't specific with Stan. What he meant was the yeah. Avengers. <laughs> but what he got. What he got was fantastic. A family, a family, a a family group, a family no, network. A, a, yeah. Incredibly uh, between uh, Stan and Jack. Yeah. You know, influence. That's what, that's what I'm saying is because they were small, Stan had so many hats that he had much more impact. Talking about small publishers. Sorry, Joe, I didn't mean to oh, cut yeah, you off no, really you're good, quick. You're good. Talking about small publishers. Um, I'm, I'm not hearing enough of his voice. So <laughs> go for it, Joe. I'll, I'll let no, Joe, no, no, no. You can finish your question. Go ahead. <laughs> so 
talking about small publishers, um, Boom just released a, a, a comment earlier in the week saying that they were gonna they were really pushing or really suggesting to other publishers to pull back on releasing so much content. Um, and Boom's obviously seen a raise in that uh, in their numbers, sales, and yeah. yeah. Um, if any, if there's going to be any response by any of the big two or any other publishers, do you think there's going to be any, any follow up to that? Or do you think they're just going to continue as business, uh, to continue everyday well, business? I'm guessing that the big two right. is really a big four now and has been for quite a while, including sure, image and, you know, image and who else? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure no, there is dark, somebody. There's Dark Horse. I mean, yeah, Dark but, Horse you know. is probably at number five. But the, yeah. I, I know there's another one I was thinking of, but I'm old and I've blanked. But um, <laughs> but certainly Image. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so Boom may have gained some ground, but they're – and I'm not criticizing. Sure. I just mean no, no. from the perspective of people at DC right. or Marvel, you know, it's easy for number seven to tell number one and two what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not – I'm thinking they should listen because I agree with them. Right. But I don't know that they can be taken seriously. Right. Not because of the of their own fault, but because of the arrogance of success. Although I'm looking at a lot of flailing and maybe somebody should listen. <laughs> yeah, I won't be truth. specific yeah. about the flailing. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's true. But let's reboot the the universe another time before it's 10 years. <laughs> I agree. So uh, uh, I want to go back to to uh, talking a little bit about Archie because we were we we kind of t- right. touched on it. We went off a little bit on a. <laughs> I think, I think My fault. Sorry. I think, no, you're I think wrong we took, turn to Albuquerque. We took. <laughs> we took a wrong turn. <laughs> we took a we took a not just a slight. We we got on a bus as I recall right. and <laughs> wound so, up in Albuquerque. Go so, ahead. So uh, uh, Albert asked it a little bit earlier. Uh, he said, "How do you go from doing something like Gotham by Gaslight?" And doing something what one could would consider polar opposites to, uh, like something like Archie, how how do you how do you kind of go approach something like that? Well, I don't know. I think, I mean, other than you know, a career built around a single series, which mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't have. Um, I've written all kinds of stuff. I've yeah. written horror comics. I've written science fiction. I've written mm-hmm. fantasy or whatever we want to call out there. Um, and while I have not written Archie. I think I can say safely that the two times I've now written Archie, they were very, you know, I kind of classic. They weren't Archie traditional, although like Elseworlds, um, yeah. it absolutely is true. It's something we, we learned as we were going is that the characters remain essential. Yeah. Otherwise you're not doing it right. The characters remain essential no matter how you change their surroundings or the setting. So while we were doing, much more soap opera or however you want to define it. Um, it wasn't the humorous Archie everyone is used to, but the characters remained their essential selves. Yeah. However, we did get to play one game. game in, in 1941, Betty got to win. <laughs> <laughs> and in 55, it's Veronica. So we wanted to be fair to both. <laughs> yeah. But as a kid growing up, and I read Archie, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, which one were you? Team Veronica or Team... Uh, yeah. Team Betty. There shouldn't be another team. <laughs> Keep in mind that I grew up in a big city, but middle America. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'll give you that one. I dated a couple of blondes within a block or two. <laughs> when I was a teenager, not that my wife will ever listen to this. 
<laughs> she just walked in the yeah, door. Yeah, she'll be like, like, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Giving you the eye right now. So, um, so what else do you have on your on your plate? Do you have anything else coming up uh, besides Archie that we can you, you can give us I'm, some insight on? I'm pitching some more to um, to Archie. Okay, that's a nice open market. Yeah. Uh, so did, well, so, I mean, right now. So you've had fun. Oh, I had a lot of fun, and okay. they're nice people. Um, right. Like I say, marked now by mm-hmm. the tragic passing of Vic. But um, I was dealing with Mike Pellerito, who is president and now, I guess, fully editor-in-chief. Everyone I've dealt with over there is amazing, lovely, giving. Yeah. I don't think I've gotten as much sort of warming and, and praising uh, for years. Um, maybe never, but they're really <laughs> nice people. God knows I'm deserving of all of that, oh, but I'm well, saying, there you, go, see? <laughs> you know, these, these pros elsewhere, they're like, well, be cynical or whatever. We, we did, we did use the word humble earlier, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was somewhere in the conversation. He used it. I just figured it. <laughs> yeah. He, he was trying for alliteration or by. something. <laughs> Hey, no, really? I'm humble, but a, an artist who doesn't believe in themselves is... Exactly. Exactly. See, yeah. I yeah. say that all the time. My wife doesn't believe yeah. me. So anyhow, <laughs> um, do you... Was there a certain story or genre you like working in betters? Uh, crime, uh, capes, uh, horror at all? I'm not grisly enough to write like modern horror. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, writing Jack the Ripper, writing, you know, traditional monster stuff. I'm into some, that. Like some EC horror stuff. Maybe, you know, maybe some of that. Okay. But I'm always aware of who might pick up a comic, and I overthink it. There you go. And, um, you know, my my script descriptions, when it's an issue like that, it always says, let's see this as a shadow on the wall. You know, like a stabbing or something like that. So I guess I'm old and queasy about some of that. (laughs) But I guess my first love is probably superheroes. But right behind that, um, I'm an enormous fan of... Of detective and crime fiction. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. I haven't done very much of it, but I'd love to. So as an editor, uh, I got to ask you, so you've worked some freelance and you, because you've not only worked with uh, the big two or, and done some independent books with like Image or Wildstorm or however you want to call it, but you've also worked with some independent creatives, uh, independent artists uh, on an, on a smaller level. You've, you've lent your talent creatively uh, in the editing uh, you've, uh, maybe, uh, some suggestions here and there. Um, when you find an artist approach you, approaches you about either maybe writing a script or maybe doing some editorial work, what is it you're looking at when they, when, you know, when the opportunity arrives or, or it comes to your door? Like, is there something that you look at in particular? Uh, is the, is like, is such as, is the artist serious enough? I'd like to believe, and I remain humble as I say this, <laughs> That after 35 years, I have a bit of an instinct. Right. Okay. Yeah. When it comes to art, I think I look at it and I, and I try to ima- not imagine, that's not the right word, interpret what I'm seeing to extrapolate what this person might eventually be good at. Um, for stories, I just want, you know, I want what anybody wants from a story. I want to be moved or yeah. sure. excited yeah. or amused or whatever is required. But mostly I think I, I'm... Going on instinct. Okay. I mean, when I moved out here um, 10 years ago, I found that there was a r- pretty big community. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I lived for 20-some years in Connecticut, commutable to New York City, because that's where I lived when uh, 
when I worked at DC and right. I owned a home and all that. So considering commutability to New York City, the, the creator community was fairly small, huge, you know, established creators. Mm. You know, John Byrne lived eight or nine blocks away from me in the same town and Mike Zeck and, and Bob Smith and all these guys were living slightly north of us. Um, Howard Porter, um, another artist we discovered, right. um, lived in North Haven. So, you know, 25, half an hour. So we had a huge established professional, but there, yeah. I never at any of the comic shops that I would frequent, I never saw much in the way at all of promising or newcomers or whatever, however we want to refer to it. Mm-hmm. Although, weirdly, I did meet the artist, I think is Justiniano, is that a name? Oh, Justiniano, yeah, yeah. Who I believe is in prison currently. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> so there you go. That's the one, <laughs> the one contact. And I wish that were less common in the business, but we won't get into that. Yeah, no, that's a different, yeah. that's a different podcast. <laughs> so when I got here and discovered the large yeah. creative community, and there's a bunch of you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was easy to work with. Uh, and nobody was pushy or demanding or there were a lot of very talented people who probably deserve to make mm -hmm. that leap sooner than later yeah this this uh i did uh when i moved here about 18 to 20 years ago myself i noticed that this the, the the community we have here in the phoenix greater area it's definitely a unique one uh you don't see a lot of this like we got tons of comic shops where some places i mean enough also surprising exactly very surprising because you have some places where people have to drive one to two hours away sometimes to go to their local comic shop and we definitely have a great great community there's a bunch of stores here that you can drive 10 minutes exactly between them exactly so yeah so we have a great 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 so um, we talked about your, your, uh, your, your got something coming up pretty soon. Do you, do, uh, what cons are you going to be doing here pretty soon? Well, I, you know, especially now, uh-huh. um, my attitude has been, I will go where anyone is willing to pay me to come, <laughs> pay my airfare or whatever, or mileage. Uh-huh. Um, I will always do the Phoenix con or Phoenix, whatever we call it now. Phoenix, Phoenix fan, fan fusion. We talked about that when I worked. Confusion. I think yeah, me yeah. and you, yeah. I think <laughs> me and you, the last year that they called it Phoenix Fan Fest, me and you actually discussed Phoenix Fan Fest was a great name. <laughs> I think, and I don't know this for a fact, but I, I look around and I see quite a number of people who changed their name almost immediately to fill, you know, Pittsburgh, uh, Fan Fest and whatnot. Yeah. 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 Although Phoenix Fan Fest, very alliterative, very nicely alliterative <laughs> as a writer. Um, anyway, the idea being that uh, I will go to that show because, you know, they carried me for for yeah. almost 10 years at yeah, this they're point. They're great people over at Fan Fusion. They are great, yeah. great people. Joe Boudry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Click. Oh, definitely Sarah, right? She, when yeah. she was what? Talent liaison or talent whatever relations, originally. Yeah, yeah. Talent relations, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. I mean, she's uh, moved dramatically up. Yes. Um, and then there's all the great volunteers and sure, so yeah. on. It's a great show. But I've recently, I went to Alaska last year. Wow. Two years ago. Um, Albuquerque, we're talking to. So I don't cool. know for sure. Yeah. But um, I know for a fact that two and a half, three years ago, we did my last ever. San Diego show. 
Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. Because wow. it Shutting about that one down. Huh? It about well, it about killed me. Yeah. Um, that was right after. Well, not long after my accident. So I was. Okay. I can get around with my cane, but oh. back then I was off and on in a wheelchair, and everyone went out of their way to be nice. But it was still exhausting. Sure. Yeah, I bet. At such a huge That's show. A big, big show. With so yeah. much energy in so many directions. Nothing on them, just I mm-hmm. physically was was about, you know, a grease stain on the rug. Yeah. <laughs> and you're still freelancing, right? Yeah, so, I'm still uh, writing comics, yep. Okay, so like, uh, what, what's the best way to approach you about trying to... Um, you know, trying to get involved in a project and trying to hire your experience and, and your time. Uh, is there an email or a Facebook or Twitter page they can reach you at? Or uh, Oh, my God, I'd be foolish to say that. Um, <laughs> you got to hunt the guy down. Do you hear that? You got to hunt the guy down. Even though, Albert, I know you're just asking for yourself. No, you know, no. You know how to get a hold <laughs> oh, of me. Oh, I know where to find you. Trust me. <laughs> um, I wish I had a website. I don't. Right. Um, has a lot to do with neither daughter being willing to run it uh, <laughs> or set it up even. Um, I, I, frankly, you can approach me at a at any con you see me at. Um, if you if you're local, you can find me in one or two comic shops uh, <laughs> on a, on on weekends. But I I, I want to be fair to the people who are putting stuff in front of me. And if it turns into a deluge of email, I simply won't get to it. I mean, yeah. it's just not practical. Right, mm-hmm. right. Plus the fact that I have to keep working or no, you it know, makes sense. be yeah. sitting on the curb. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I will look at stuff. Um, if anyone is actually listening and thinking, here's how to do it, uh, no matter who the, the uh, creator or the professional is, don't stand there waiting for them to read it yeah. Yeah. Or, or look at it. Right. I mean, in my case, I'll say, I will look at this tonight yeah. <laughs> and come back tomorrow. Or if you're not going to be here tomorrow, come back at, later on in the show and I'll have yeah. a chance. But I'm not going to stop everything. Exactly. Um, I have to be fair to all the other fans. Well, there you go. <laughs> so no, you, it's just, no, it I've never, so. I've never been able to do, and I won't review proposals because I'm a working professional. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear later that, you know, this thing is awfully close to that thing you read. Mm. So I'll look at samples, but I, 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 and most of us, most, especially editor writers. Right. Issue doing, you know, read my proposal. No, I'm sorry. Fairness to you. Mm-hmm. I won't do that. And yeah. ultimately fairness to me. No, definitely. Your time is money and money's yeah. time. So, well, so but you, like I say, it's, it's fair. We yeah. hear of too many people who get sued by someone who's never written yeah. anything as far as, as far as we know, that so that uh, you know that Stanley ripped off. Well, no, oh, unless you're Jack Kirby, but um, <laughs> a, a lot of really much bigger deals than me cool. have bumped into that. So, yeah. are you on Twitter? Being that it's a, it's a yeah, I'm on Twitter. Okay, what's your Twitter handle? Um, My name at Twitter. Okay, Brian Augustine at Twitter. Remember that. My right? daughter did set that up. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> So in fact, it was, it was, it was, it was uh, around for two years before I even remembered that it existed. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so I'm reasonably computer savvy, but I just, yeah. I, I always thought a lot of that sort of secondary and tertiary was stuff I didn't have time for. That's why I don't have a website, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been, obviously you've been doing this for 35 years. Is there any kind of advice that you would give somebody who's maybe a newcomer to the, to the medium? Well, it depends on what they want to do. Um, but the, uh, the obvious in, um, advice to anyone is 
make it the best you can make it right now. Because right. the only way anybody's going to see promise is if you give them something current. And that's the other thing. I see, you know, people will bring a portfolio and say, I did this five or eight years ago. And there may be other other stuff, mm-hmm. but you need to keep it always current with what you're capable of in this moment. You know, some people have been discovered who didn't seem very promising, but they, but they were determined and, and practiced as much as they could at that point to do what they were capable of, to show their promise. So I will say, it's just like, how do you get to Broadway? Practice. How do you get to comics? Practice. But also polish, study, definitely study. Also, it's, right. it's, it's hard to, re- it's hard to review writing samples with terrible spelling or syntax <laughs> problems or, you know, I write in English. <laughs> My wife always gets mad at me for not using punctuation in text messages. <laughs> well, we're not publishing in text, fortunately. <laughs> right. I've got one last question before we, before we wrap things up. Um, so being that, uh, the industry now, the way it looks, would you say it's a lot better for a writer? Because you did say writing samples are hard to... Evaluate know, on the spot. That's right, all exactly. I mean. Right, sure. Yeah. But would you say, because writers always get that that whole, we don't take uh, you know, unsolicited material. But they they do. You, you, it's an easy no for people. If you look at companies, right. like, we uh, don't take unsolicited well, stuff. Where are Sorry. they finding people? Right. But... Um, my question is: Would you find would you find that it's better for these guys, these writers, to go find an artist that you're willing to that you can work with? It's going to bring your vision to, to how you see it, and really put it out yourself, rather than continue to beat down the door and be like, "Hey, can you read my stuff?" Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there are there have been for ten years now, and certainly this minute, there have been more free things, free ways to work it out. Right. I mean, you've got. Print on demand. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you can get free blogs, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of people air their projects in 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 process or share their ideas. But to your question, yes, absolutely. If you get an artist to work, you know, sample pages only. Sure. Right. Because I'm I'm very much against the idea of artists working for free. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I mean, if they're doing it for themselves. They need to be careful and protect themselves, and and, and too many people are willing to take advantage. Mm-hmm. Sure. But if the two of you come to a two writer and artist can come to a, an agreement that they're going to put up a pithy eight pages that demonstrate their abilities of the moment, then yes, then you can just send someone a digital file, and you know you're not out much of anything. Right. Yeah. And the only way for writers to demonstrate their ability. Frankly, the best way is to show you doing what it is they're likely to want you to do. Right. right. A proposal doesn't tell you anything. You know, those greeting cards you wrote, that's not going to tell anything about (laughs) how to write comics. Uh, Screenplays, maybe. But, you know, if you can actually prove the ability and art helps. But if you sent in, uh, you know, a non-proposal, maybe script samples... Just to show how you handle the format, I think that'd be okay too. Awesome. Very cool. But don't send anybody fifty pages of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Miller sent me fifty. No, that would work. I'd be okay with that. But. Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> well, again, uh, uh, Mr. Augustine, you can we call ap- me Brian. Brian, we appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us, spending some time with 
with us in our favorite local comic shop. This is awesome, man. We would love to do this again sometime. Sure. I'd yeah. be happy. I enjoyed my time. I appreciate your invitation. <laughs> and uh, Todd's Place here is a great comic shop. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, he is the bombastic Brian Augustin. Hey, thanks again for hanging out with us here on The House of Indy. I'm Joey Galvez and Albert Morales. Albert Morales.